Hi, Lloyd. Hello, mate. How you doing? You all right? I'm not too bad, not too bad. We're uh, making the best of it, shall we say. Um, I think that's all one can do. Indeed. We're all trapped indoors. We'd best get used to it. (laughs) But whilst we're trapped indoors, we get to talk about the times that we spent outdoors, which is kind of why we're here today. Indeed. (coughs) Pardon. Um, So, first things first, let me introduce you to those who don't know. Lloyd has a YouTube channel. Tell us about your YouTube channel, Lloyd. Oh, so, uh, yeah, my YouTube channel, uh, I started it three years ago now, um, basically uh, doing gun reviews. I had done some archery content on my channel, just messing about when I was when I was an archer. And um, I had seen a, uh, a blog post from John Henry, the, the guy who runs Iowa Shooting Ground, asking for contributions for their um, social media and ads strolled in the gun room and said, well, look, you know, I've got this daft little YouTube channel. It's got like a hundred subscribers. Do you want to, shall we maybe try doing gun reviews? Um, and I've been shooting in various forms since I was 14. So I've got a lot of history with this stuff. And um, photography and videography was always a bit of a hobby. And it just sort of came together and I started doing gun reviews. And over time, um, the channel has developed. I've got now relationships with some of the manufacturers and it's get, it's becoming easier to get hold of stuff. But most of what I do is second-hand stuff that comes in the shop. Um, although, like I said, nowadays um, it's getting easier. I can actually you know, reach out to the likes of GMK, Ruag, uh, Browning Europe, etc., and I can get stuff sent to me to, uh, to test and review. And that's what I've been doing. It's um, Like I said, it's been going three years. There's over 100 episodes. It's um, a, a wealth. Some particularly good ones, actually. Some particularly good ones. I like your factory tour ones. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably my favourite ones, actually. Yeah, the Parazzi trip I've done a couple of times. Um, once there's a, there's a video on the Bible um, uh, channel, which is something that's scripted that we did with uh, with John, and then mine was a bit more free form when I went over there to get my Parazzi done. Um, and yeah, it's. I've enjoyed doing it. It's something creative. It's a creative outlet for me. It's not my day job. I have a day job. Um, but it allows me to um, do something fun, which I, I've enjoyed, and it's certainly growing. I mean, we're up to seven thousand subscribers now, which is small, small beer in the, in the YouTube world. But um, they seem to enjoy it, and I'm. Uh, it's great content. It really is great. I'm painfully honest about guns, as as you are. Um, I'm not owned or bought or paid for by anybody, so I I, uh, I do say what I think, which is. I think has great value, but I think a lot of manufacturers disagree. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you know, you got you got to be honest to yourself, whereas your opinion is completely valueless. And I think that's yeah. a really good aspect about yourself more than anything. I really like it. So on that note, what are the favorite guns you have reviewed? And then more importantly, what are the what guns do you own? All right. So guns I own. So I. I'm going to be doing a review on it very soon. Um, I've got an old Remy 1100 that I picked up for 200 quid that's been sat in the cabinet. Um, it's a bit too short for me, but it was my dream gun when I was 14. Yeah. The reason I bought it uh, was because I wanted a gun when I was 14, and I just they're um, they're a bit of an old workhorse. I, I refurbed it a little bit, put some new springs in and pistons and blah blah blah. Um, and it just sits there. It get, to be honest, it gets used as a coaching gun as much as out. Um, because it's a bit short for me, but it's quite soft and um, it's a nice gun to shoot. So I've got that. I've got an M2 that I use for pigeons and ducks and whatnot. 
just a uh, Comfortech 28 inch. It's just a bum basic. It's not the Comfortech. It's the absolute bum basic M2, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 28 inch. Um, no bells and whistles. Um, that's just. I, I like Benelli's. I like the. Um, I like the smallness of the forend. I think they've got a really nice shape of the forend because of the um, the lack of a gas system and the fact that the, the it's an inertia gun. The recoil on it is, is is really honest. I just find that there's no commotion like you get with a gas gun, um, and it's just a nice little gun to shoot. Yeah, oh, uh, I mean, best best guns in the world. Best guns in the yeah. world. Well, best semi-autos in the world. And I wouldn't say necessarily for clay shooting, but as a gun, as a oh, yeah. semi-automatic, they are unbelievably good. Yeah, yeah. Um, they take abuse that no other gun would take, really. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted a Raffaello, but to be honest, I can't justify the expense for what it gets well, used. Well, you go for Powerball. Uh, just the the, the Raffaello with a port barrel. Um, yeah. They're just a, they're, I think they're quite pretty. They're um, and you get the extra bells and whistles, so you can stick the comb razor in a few of the bits and bobs. But you know, it's it another hundred pounds. It's another eight hundred quid or something, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I use it for, it just wasn't wasn't necessary. Um, I've got um, a Browning, um, which I bought fairly recently. The Ultra XS. Picked that up second hand. I got it to review. I liked it that much. I just thought, you know what, this is an absolute cracker. I'm having this. Um, it was just right place, right time. And that's my kind of wet gun. And the reason I've got a wet gun is because my my main toy is my Parati. Um, I've got a high-tech 32-inch, which I had made in Italy, which you go take a look at the channel. There's a video of me getting that done. And that doesn't get taken out when it's wet. <laughs> no. um, Paratis are soft, right? They are not made... There's no chroming in the bores. You know I mean, they're, they're, they're an Italian gun and they need to be kept clean and pristine so that doesn't go out in the wet. Uh, but as guns go, I mean, I'm going to be doing a review fairly soon on it again because I'm limited to what I can do because I'm stuck in the house. So I'm going to be doing uh, the Barazzi, I'm going to be doing the M2, I'm going to be doing the Remy because um, that's all I've got. So, uh, but yeah, that thing is just the way I would describe it now that I've had a, a good bit of time to get used to it, which is why it's been such a big gap. Because everybody's been asking me, oh, when you're reviewing it, when you're reviewing it. And it's like, well, look, I wanted to get the new gun syndrome out of the way because every new gun's the best gun. Um, I wanted to have a long yeah. time with it where I'd had a really long time to shoot it, get to know it, and I could make a genuine appraisal of it. And as a, like, it's like, you know, a really comfy pair of jeans that you've had for years that are a bit raggy and like your wife doesn't like you wearing them, but like, they're dead comfy ones. It's like that, but it's like that right out the box. Um, it was. One of those things, as soon as you, I picked it up and started shooting with it, and it just fits. It's, it's just instantaneous. Well, you needed to because it was custom built for you. If you'd be really exactly. it didn't just fit, right? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But there's so many little things that I time <coughs> on in the factory, getting the grip shape right, and, and, and just tough things that I wanted to be, to be bang on and just are. Um, it's a gun I can just pick up and you know just make it do what I want, and it's great. That's right, um, what we like to hear. So, I got the Craig why off, like, did you go for a high tech? Why did you go for a high tech? Um, so, well, it's the it's the best selling Parazzi now, um, and I've I'm very fortunate in that I've actually been able to test, and therefore I've shot nearly everything in the Parazzi range except the really high rib trap guns. Um, Two thousand and three, two thousand and five and above. Um, I've shot a two K three. Anything above, I haven't um, as yet had a chance to, to play with. They're but I've shot nice. everything in the range. But they're, right? they're not, not nice. They're just not not rounded. But when they're a trap gun, yeah, it's an out-and-out OT. You know what I mean? It's, it's what it's for, and I shoot everything. My my main discipline that I shoot is um, is all round. So it's skeet, trap, DTL. Sorry, uh, skeet, 
uh, DTL, ABT, and Sporting. Um, I also like sporting a sport trap. I'm not big into trap disciplines. I, I shoot them as part of all round, but I, I couldn't shoot 100 DTL or 100 um, ABT. I would do any kit around, just be bored. Um, and the reason I went for the, the high tech was I just prefer the balance. So it's uh, about 40 grams heavier in the in the action. Um, you've got the reverse taper rib. Um, there's just it, I find it just balances better. It's a more deliberate gun to shoot than the MX series. The MX is very, very nimble, very whippy. It's more like a parkour than a super sport, if I use a Kriegoff term. Um, and just the HT was what I wanted. I wanted a gun that was a wee bit lighter than me Kriegoff because um, the nine pound Kriegoff, some days when you're just a bit, and you just can't drive it as hard as you want to. And yeah. you, stuff and, you need um, to be on point all the time. Exactly. I'm not Ben Hustway. I am not built like a bloody rugby player. You know, I mean, some days I have off days and I, I just wanted to be a wee bit lighter. I bit my tongue there. I was about to say something nasty, but didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wanted something that was a bit more nimble and a bit prettier, to be honest. I think the um, the Parazzi is just such an elegant, classic-looking thing. They uh, are so beautiful. They really yeah, are. Yeah. The the, the off I really appreciate the engineering. It's such an absolute Teutonic tank of a, of a gun. But it's not very pretty. I mean, you can get pretty ones, but they're, they're still... Yeah, when you've got 90 grand. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. The bum basic one I had is the, is the, the dead basic scroll with a black um, uh, top latch and all the rest of it. Um, and it was a cracking gun, but... Uh, yeah. And that's, that's the reason I got rid of it, is you can't really be a slave to two masters. I've got to have one gun that's my main gun, and that's what I'm good with. So I made the jump. I was very nervous for a while there. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's absolutely cracking. I love my eye tech. Nice. Uh, how many rounds you put it through through it now? Um. Uh, oh, good lord! So I've had it since November, and on average, I shoot a thousand a month. So however many that is. Enough. Yeah. Right. A thousand less than you should have. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've been out for three weeks, but yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, all of that doesn't go through uh, the high tech because obviously I do do a lot of test guns and. Daddy, daddy, yeah. daddy. But it, it's it's had a run out. Like it's definitely um, I'm used to it now, and there's nothing I don't know about it in terms of handling and stuff. So yeah. What ammo do you use? Sorry. What is your ammo of pressure? Ge um, generally, Hall, I tend to stick to super fast for um, majority, probably 80% of my shooting because it's I can't fall off with 184 pound a thousand given the volume I shoot. I pay, I pay for my ammo, I pay for my clays. I don't get any freebies. Well, okay, so I do sometimes get freebies from Hull. They support the channel. So when I ask them for a test ammo, they will send it me. But last year, I probably had a couple of thou off them. Um, everything else I pay full price for. Um, so I'm, I'm buying the best value ammo I can, which to me is, is super fast. And for competitions, it'll be either Pro 1 or uh, Paco um, for really long targets. But I've found I can break... 90% of what I shoot at with, with Superfast or Pro 1. I think Superfast are actually a really genuinely cracking cartridge. You want that fibre or fibre plastic? Plastic. Yeah, plastic. No, I think that, that both that and the Kent Velocity plastic, they're very, very similar, but they are both. In the fibres, very average, but in the plastics, very, very competitive indeed. Very competitive. If I was shoot, shooting more trap disciplines, I'd probably shoot Sport 100s. Yeah. Or the uh, details, because um, they're a bit softer. And I think with with trap, because you're so hard, 
into the gun, yeah. uh, you need a, a bit softer cartridge. And to be honest, speed doesn't really matter because it's going away target. Isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, the Sport are nice. The initial ones had a little bit of problem with the paint. Um, they're yeah. like a luminescent green paint on them, and it just came off and went all over your gun. Uh, but they fixed that now. Yeah, silver, silver cartridge, aren't they? I think. It's um, it's the same hull as the uh, partridge cartridge, so it's like semi-transparent yeah. with the like black wash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes it look all rotten. It's cool though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But Did yeah, you do a bit of game as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have a day this year. I, I had a few days out on the pond with me mate, who's got a pond uh, on some ducks. Um, um, but I didn't have a game day this year. Just I had a couple of invites. I was working away, I was abroad, I couldn't make it. But last year I had a few days, um, and yeah, I enjoy it. Um, the Prior to getting the Browning, the F-16 was my game gun. Now the Browning's probably going to be my game gun. Um, yeah, I mean, I might take the Prati out. It'll depend if I get any days this year. Well, we'll see if there is any days this year. Yeah, I suppose exactly. more uh, before, I suppose we move on to anything, anything else. What are your thoughts on the whole lead and steel debate? Sorry, let me shout with dogs. Tank! Everyone's at home. So all the dogs are communicating around the neighborhood. What are your thoughts on the lead and steel debate? So, um it's it's a it's a queer one, isn't it? Um, obviously lead is a toxic material, right? Um there is no safe amount of lead that a human can ingest, right? That's been stated, it's scientific fact. Um However, like me, you've probably been eating game meat for a long time that's been shot with lead. Um, I'm not dead yet. Um, is lead more effective at killing? Yes. Is it more effective at breaking clays? Yes. Um, is there, are there wider tolerances shooting lead than there are with steel? Yes. Um, you know, there's a bunch of reasons why lead is better. Um, but if the industry... Um, is going to move in the way of going to non-toxic shot. We are where we are. I mean, we'll just we'll we'll work around it. You know, we will shoot lower birds. I'm not into shooting stuff that's skyscraper high, um, like your Dave Carries of the world. And that. I'm not bothered. You know, what I mean, as long as it's a sporting shot um, and not daft. If I if I think I'm going to get a, a clean kill, I'll take the shot. You know, what I mean, it's that simple. We'll just have to recalibrate around that. Uh, so it's a large change, I think, where we've currently been developing for higher and higher birds to then have that road cut. Is, sure. Um, I think it's uh, difficult for people to process more many. But it's, isn't that just uh, mainly an English thing, though? Oh, utterly. Yeah, I mean, you think so, like Scandinavia, they have a 30 metre maximum. Yeah. Scandinavia, which yeah. to me seems logical, obviously, because everyone's going to flaunt that by five or 10 metres. So yeah. 40 metres is a damn, I mean, it's guaranteed clean kill, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not not for me to put my opinion out at this point, obviously, but I do feel like there's. You say about there being no to lower tolerances for adults, and I would agree with that. That I personally am not bothered about eating lead shot game. Like the amounts that I consume are yeah. so minimal, I don't think it makes a difference. Whereas I won't feed it to my kid. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, you know, there's there's a lot of science out there that does state that it affects the developing brain yes. like exponentially more than it will a full grown adult. And a pregnant lady, obviously, with a developing brain growing inside her, yeah, yeah. in that same category. And there was an amazing study done in New Zealand that I read that is all to do with 
lead intake and blood lead levels versus your social standing and IQ drop in later life that was done. Categorically, that everybody who had more lead in their system lost more IQ and was less successful in life. I know a lot of people won't care about that, mm -hmm. but I would like the best for my kid. Absolutely, that's as much as I can say on that, really, and everyone should. I also believe in free choice, though, um, and this is the difficulty. I also believe in free choice, and it would be nice if there was left open, not loopholes, but areas in which lead could be used. Yes, yeah. I, I think a lot of the pushback has been around the way the basket all kind of did their announcement, which was a bit of a, like, bah! and it was a real surprise. I think they lost a lot of support in, in uh, out there, and I don't know, I just think there was never going to be a good way to do it. Um, and I kind there, of there, there would have been a better way of doing it, potentially. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I spoke to, to Dan Reynolds from Basque, and his, after speaking to him, I realised that they didn't even mean to say what they said in, like, yeah. It wasn't even the way that they said it that was wrong, even though it was wrong. It was literally what they said was nothing near what he was saying that they wanted to convey. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, I'm talking that's, about it. Do you think that's true, though? Do you think that's maybe, in hindsight, a little bit of softening the message? See, I'm I'm in two minds about that. My, my first part is that I, out of all Basque employees, and I know very few in the grand scheme of things, but I am aware of certain people's opinions on them, I think Dan is about the best of the lot. He is a regular shooting man from a regular shooting background, and he genuinely loves shooting and loves wildlife. And as such, I feel like his opinion is something that I can trust, and mm -hmm. his word is something that I can trust. So that that's my first point. Is I, I trust Dan, because I think you have to trust people, or at least you can trust people. And if you can't trust people, then the world's a really sad place. And But this is a looking at, in hindsight, he probably said, oh, shit, we said it wrong. Yeah. And perhaps this would have been a better message. But that was probably the message they should have put out in the first place. Mm. But, hey, we're not, I don't know, there's nothing they can do about it now, right? Yeah. There's so much bigger fish to fry. Maybe yeah. That's yeah. One of the conspiracies. Cool. Maybe Basque caused coronavirus to hide, to yeah. hide the issue, to hide their cock up. Yeah, I think it's all kind of faded into the background now until, because let's face it, there's nobody shooting at them, isn't it? Um, no. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, do you do any other rifle, rifle, rifle sports or anything like that? So I, I start well, not recently. Um, I have been thinking about getting my ticket back on again. Um, I started out when I was fourteen. Started out with um, clay pigeon shooting through till when I was eighteen. As soon as I was eighteen, I applied for a firearm certificate and then I did uh, pistol shooting. Um, yeah. I love pistol shooting. It's it's a real. I miss it every day. To be honest, if I was still pistol shooting, I wouldn't be doing clay shooting at all. Um, I, I was right into. It. I used to do police pistol, service pistol, IPSC, um, and then when after '97, um, I was the club armourer at the time, and it was uh, yeah, it, it, handing over my guns was a, was a was awful. Uh, and I've tried uh, pistol caliber carbines, I've tried black powder, I've tried a few different sort of bridge stuff, and then that was when I tried rifles. And I just, I found paper punching pretty dull with a rifle because it's basically maths. Um, you're shooting off a rest or whatever. Yes, there are, nowadays, there are a lot more rifle-based disciplines where you can get a bit more active and it's a bit more 
um, closer to what would have been the pistol disciplines, where you're actually forced to shoot offhand, etc. But at the time, it was mainly just pit punching with with uh, off a arrest or whatever, and I just found that incredibly dull. Um, so, can I shoot a rifle? Yes. Um, I, I, <laughs> I went out shooting with a mate of mine the other day, funnily enough, on a bit of plink. Uh, this is going back a few weeks, obviously, um, with one of his rifles, and he was. Oh, <laughs> so many groups. He was like, "Well, you can. You're pretty good at this." I was like, "Yeah, I can shoot rifle. I just don't." Um, so yeah, I know a fair bit about ballistics. I used to do. I used to home load um, in great volumes when I was when I was pistol shooting because I was a teenager and, and I lived in the middle of nowhere. I had nothing else to do, so I used to just sit on the press all night, knocking out my own ammo. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a while. I didn't tempt you to do that for a shotgun as well. It's, I don't think it's economically viable for clay shooting. Um, it's smashing uh, if you want to do something to do. Loads. Yeah, it's smashing if you want to do specialty loads, sub sub gauge, anything sort of 16, uh, 20s, uh, 4 tens, etc. But at 12 gauge, it's cheaper to buy it off the shelf. Yeah, and to be fair, they're so good what you can get now, unless you want to make like some kind of mixed shot or perhaps tungsten yeah. and bismuth or. Uh, break CIP rules and make some amazing steel cartridges that are actually capable of killing mega long stuff then yeah you're right it's um, not viable financially but it is entertaining for an afternoon if you've got nothing better to do like we oh, I, I used to quite enjoy it because you can you can sit around and mess around with your loads and your powders and primers and things like that it's, it is quite interesting I used to actually dig loading it at 38, 45, 9mm uh, etc so you know, there's the, even more mess about with rifle cartridges you can do. So much you can you can fine tune with rifle cartridges if you want to go for ultimate accuracy and really hone your loads. Right. So, to two questions, and the first is, do you think would you like pistols back in the UK? Do you think we should be allowed pistols back in the UK? Oh, now, this is a this is a thing. So, yes, I would love it. Right. I absolutely would love to have pistols back in the UK. But could I stand in front of somebody who lost a child at Dunblane and say, is the chance that this could happen again um, for you worth me having my guns back for sport? I'm not sure I, I got the balls to ask that question. Do you know what I mean? Um, do I think it was an overreaction? Yes. Um, do I think it's had an overall impact on gun violence? No, because illegal guns are still there. Um, but... I think it, I'm just not sure we'll ever get it back. I don't. I just can't see it. No, I would say it's no real. I don't think it was. It is something that is realistic in modern UK or current time UK. Weirdly though, um, Northern Ireland still have pistols. Yeah. Uh, uh, Man, Jersey. Man, Jersey. Matter, yeah. Yeah. All of which somehow managed to evade the rules. So I do have mates that actually go out to. Various wee islands and that, and our members of gun clubs out there. I just can't justify the time. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big dedication, isn't it? Whenever I go to the states, I always get as much range time as I can afford. Um, I was out uh, in October time and uh, spent a day in a range out there, just playing. Uh, had a go with the Sig P320, which is something I really wanted to play with. Um, that's the new um, M13 um, US Army service pistol. Um, what a sweet tool that is. Um, and yeah, I, I still enjoy it. I'm still pretty handy with a pistol. Um, it, it comes back when you when you get behind the trigger, but yeah, I do miss it. All right. And the second question is, what are Lloyd's sweet tips to A, being a better clay shot, and B, choosing a gun for that? 
So for me, I always say to people, people ask me what cartridge should I shoot, what um, choke should I use, all, all the daft questions you get about the accessories and that. And for me, the cheapest, stop worrying about your chokes and just get out and shoot. So if you buy the cheapest cartridges you can you can like find locally and spend more time at the range than buying an expensive cartridge like a black cartridge. There is a caveat to that, that there is some really, truly crap cheap cartridges out there. Yeah, I'm not about... Buying stuff MSI of... Primo Uno's <laughs> at 1,200 feet per second, sure. for example, are not going to be a great place to start. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, but like a reasonably cheap cartridge, like a yeah. super fine. Yeah, 160 right? or pound a thousand. Exactly, right? And just spend more time at range, get some shooting in, get some lessons with a proper, um, with a proper coach. Unfortunately, clay shooting is full of people with opinions and every gun club you go to there's always some old boy in the background uh who stood behind you telling you behind that you're behind that and all oh, just ignore all of that crap um don't worry about people watching you right nobody cares there's so many newbies get like caught up with like oh i'm crap and i can't and no no just ignore that go and get some lessons with a decent accredited coach um and just stick to the fundamentals um learn your, your techniques learn your, your sort of break points and kill points and pick up points and all that kind of stuff um, and just practice um, there's not magic the more you do it the better you'll be um, and don't listen to every every you know sage that tells you oh you want to put half and three quarter in or whatever you know what I mean just don't worry about chokes don't worry about accessories get a gun that fits you right and that's the most important thing it doesn't matter what it is um, buy a gun you love Buy a gun that fits and shoot one gun. Didn't buy 12. <laughs> well, you can buy 12. Yeah. But over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, about, I guess, I think that's a good mantra if you want to be good. Yeah. I think that, that's the thing. It's a good mantra if you want to be good. Just buy one, stick to it, learn from it, and then adapt thereafter, right? But, and the valid, the other valid thing is, not everybody wants to be excellent. Most, some people will be happy to go out and shoot 50%. And a lot of people are right? happy with 50 to 12 guns. You know what I mean? And, and their thing is they want to have all the guns and just be okay. And that's fine. You know and what I mean? make lots of noise, have fun, have a bacon sandwich and a pint with their mates. It's the best thing I, to be honest, I admire those people probably more than the people who are overly competitive. Because yes. overly competitive people, as you're probably going to be aware, lose the fun aspect oh yeah. so easily. Oh so easily. Um, yeah. Completely, Which completely is... agree. It's the best thing about shooting is even if you crap, you're still making a loud noise, right? And you still got a gun yeah. in you. Because it should still be enjoyable, regardless <laughs> of if you're hitting or missing. Although I think there is a point where if you're hitting perhaps less than 50% and you want to hit more and you can't hit more, mm -hmm. then it's just frustrating. And it's at that point, like you say, find a decent, I wouldn't even say necessarily accredited, but a decent instructor who speaks your yeah. language. Yes. Who has experience. Mm -hmm. you know, and, I, and I don't want to belittle anybody, uh, perhaps, who has just started who wants to become an instructor but you will be aware that you need to put some serious shells down range to at least have a vague understanding of how and why and yeah that kind of thing maybe With all sports right and all sports are from this archery is exactly the same you can go and do the level one accredited um instructors course and and now all of a sudden you get away the badge and you are a coach right and you know absolutely jackal a about shooting and b about how to coach right it's all very well and good knowing which is the one that's dangerous is this loaded right that's totally different 
to having spent thousands and thousands of hours shooting and actually have practical experience of why and how stuff that works in different situations and for different people. Not every technique is the same. There is no cookie-cutter approach. You can't stamp out shooters using that, this mount, that approach, that technique, because everybody's different. Everybody's different shape. Everybody thinks differently. They've got a different vision. This, this, it's a, there's so much out there, and you've really got to be able to appreciate that and be able to convey that um, to a human being. <laughs> that is unbelievably solid advice right there. That is unbelievably solid, and it's, it's a great realistic truth. It's a great truth as well. That yeah. I think there's a, a second caveat to that, perhaps that after you've learned all that for yourself, you also need to learn how to translate that to other people and mm -hmm. make enough mistakes. And it's hard, isn't it? Because every instructor needs to start somewhere. Yeah. But you need, I think, an instructor with a bit more experience. Certainly, from my perspective, helps. Mm. Um, like I would rather somebody who has made their mistakes on someone else. I know yeah. that's bad, and those people cost a lot more money. Yeah, but they're worth the money as well. Sorry. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. So, uh, when it comes to choosing a gun, what is Lloyd's top tip? <laughs> um, as I said before, buy one you love. Like, shoot. Oftentimes, I'll get I get private messages all the time via um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. Which is best, this or this? I'm like, well, shoot both and buy the one you love. And it is that simple. If you love it, if you if you get behind it and you love it and you don't want to change it, you are more likely to spend more time shooting it. You are more likely to put the hard the hard yards in to get get to the point where you can shoot it than something that you've just bought um, because somebody else told you to. Because some guy down the club said, get yourself a 686 or get yourself a 525. I'll get yourself a, a Miracle Mark 30X shotgun. Um, and, and <laughs> you know it, right? You know it. That is the ultimate gun to buy. <laughs> well, it may be that a Miracle MK30X uh, shotgun is the right gun. It's yeah. like a bloody, you know what I mean? And, but they're you know, all good starting oh, points as well. They're all good starting points. Absolutely. Or an ATA or a Yildit. And I think, to be honest, this year, maybe not so much this year, but maybe next year, once we've gotten around all this, I think that pro sport's going to make a big dent in the uh, newbie sales where yeah. you would have traditionally gone at 686-525. I think now that yield, it's just that middle road. Yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, sort of from what you're seeing on the grounds, but certainly, and the fact that we're opposite ends of this country, of around here, nobody new is buying into the Bretto or Browning market now. Mm. Everybody is buying a Turkish gun. Like, it is like nothing you would have ever believed would happen 10 years ago. But everybody's coming in and spending, certainly from the shop perspective, they're all going, oh, I'll buy an ATA because it's yeah. 600 quid and it will do me as a gun. Yeah. And they are not bad. No. I think there's better out there for the money, but that's we're all yes. different, like you say. Um, that's the, the benefit experience. And I suppose I bit like yourself you have the guarantee of knowing people who can help if it does break whereas just having a warranty on a gun from a manufacturer is so much sweeter a deal for so many people yes um i think it's it, it when you um when you look at the the value proposition of something like that as long as you walk into it eyes wide open you spend 600 quid on a gun you know that when you fetch it back in six months time you're going to get paid 150 200 quid on it you know what i mean realistically um and you accept that, and maybe that is just that becomes your rough gun. And that's the one that gets the chewed yeah. by the dog, and you just leave it in your cabinet and you don't sell it. 
then fine. Absolutely. Or you keep it forever because 600 quid is still quite a large sum of money to many, many people for, oh, for, yeah, a, yeah. Tool for a hobby. Um, I mean, that's, that's a, a double-sided thing there. Is It is actually a way for so many more people to buy brand new quality guns for less than a paycheck. Yes. Um, which is where a lot of guns look like, depressingly, is they look like a lot more than a paycheck. I think I, I, it's, it's good that you said that, actually, because I think it's really easy once you been in the trade in the sport for a long time the sort of entry level stuff at 1200 quid doesn't seem a lot of money anymore but but when you start shooting how much i don't even know if i like it yet i don't want to spunk 1500 quid on something i've not tried like you wouldn't go out and buy like a full set of like the world's best golf club you know what i mean you get them knacker ones from um argos <laughs> yes to go and give it a go to see if you're actually into it for a, a bit before you realize that yes i am or no this is the worst sport in the world i'm gonna yeah. take up shooting yeah yeah maybe i don't know i've always fancied golf but oh, no. it's a bit quiet no i tried i tried golf once i got to hide out with the clubhouse because i wasn't wearing a collar and that was me <laughs> never going back <laughs> um but yeah going back to the um Sorry. what's the what, what's the best gun there isn't honestly there's so many guns out there at different price points they've all got goods and bad bad things and yes there's some guns i've given a pan in um and right, so, so what is the worst gun what's the worst <laughs> gun yeah let's play that game Ooh. i think the, we are 36 minutes into this and those who will not like what you're about to say will not have watched this far. That's a fair comment. Uh, it is the uh, Fabim, Fabom Axis RS-12. You really uh, didn't like that? I hated that gun. It, it just, everything about it. And everybody I gave it to went... Like, the amount of it went, Because just everything about it just felt wrong, right? The checkering, the shape of the pistol grip, the mount... The, just the the chromite, everything was just awkward. It just felt like I don't know, it was like a gun made out of Lego. Everything See, went off the corners and I thought it was a great gun. <laughs> I I've shot a I've shot a QRR one quite a few times uh-huh. and I thought it was a really nice bit of kit. Like for the money, for the spec. It's not the Garini that it it's sort of emulating, obviously, in the range. But I guess that's just the beauty of personal preference absolutely yeah we've all got a personal preference that i think was the one that i disliked the most that was the one that i had the hardest time reviewing because i always try and put at least a slab of shot through anything and everything. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> right we've gone for a full there <laughs> Easy I'm, coming I'm coming back hold on <laughs> oh this is embarrassing there we go we're here boom hello um yeah i always try and put at least a slab of shells through anything that i test and that was the gun that was hardest to, shall we say, maintain. Um, I ever so didn't want to shoot that gun. Um, it just uh, horrible. Um, what else did I hate? I hated the um, the seventy five Mark II. Okay. Uh, not the SPS two. Uh, yes, um, purely because the stock was like it was like a log um I, and it's funny enough when i interviewed david the other day because obviously the, the new one's coming out and they have slimmed down that stock and they slimmed yeah, down yeah which actually it feels, like a, it feels like a human can shoot now um and of course 
the, the one that I probably got the most hate mail for was the 686 Little Pigeon. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I I think the old ones are lovely. Right? I've, I've actually bought older ones, and I've had older ones, and my wife had a, a, a 686. But the new ones are high-volume, uh, mass-produced guns, and I just don't think they're as nice as people think they are. Trigger pulls are crap. I think they suit a, a smaller subset of people because they're very, very thin. They're, they're very um, little guns, in my opinion. A lot of people pick them up and they look like toys. Um, and this is going to be super unpopular because a lot of people love the 686. Um, but not my cup of tea. I would, if it were me, I think the Browning, the 55 stroke Miracu is a more everyman gun, shall we say? I mean, again, it's interesting how uh, even the gun culture definitely changes across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but round round here, certainly, we are we are Beretta territory. Right. Like this is Beretta land, and everybody likes small, slim guns. And you right. try and put a Browning in someone's hands by comparison, most of the time they will go. That's big and deep and heavy, and it feels really? like you know an oafish sort of thing. But I think that's a very interesting, an interesting dichotomy. But then it changes across country. I wouldn't say it's gradual at all. Every area is very different. Every I went to Yorkshire. I went to there was a my missus was in a one of these ladies uh, shooting things. I can't remember what it was called the, the Yorkshire Phillies, right? Yeah. And we went to this Yorkshire Phillies day. And it was called the Phillies and Willies day. So bring your husband sort of thing. And uh, I was literally the only man on the ground who didn't have a browning. All the women had them, all the blokes had them. My missus pulls a siren out, and I was like, hey, you've got a siren, what's that? Sees a green, eh? And I pulled out my Craig off, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what's that you've got there? A posh one? Honestly, it was like... <laughs> It was freaky. Everybody had brownings. It was great. Yeah. I guess it's um. I don't know. It, it just goes to show that so much of gun buying actually is just contagious, yeah, psychosomatic community crap, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's it just shows how deep that is in our heads to buy something that makes us belong. Um, yeah regardless of our friendship group or anything like that. I mean, I'm blessed with having a group of friends and none of us would like each other's guns. Oh, and we all shoot mm. them and we're all not assholes about it, but we all own our very own specific things. Um, and we all like our own specific things. Um, I think we probably only do that just to be particularly special. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating that you say that about Berettas. So I think the trigger pulls on a Beretta out to a Browning out the factory. Mm. Um, uh, not, not that I, think I think in the mid-range, Beretta have really pulled a rabbit out of that with a 694. I think they, they've, they've perhaps taken that segment back with a 694. I think that's an absolute cracking gun. Um, prior to that, I think you couldn't walk past the 725 Pro Sport. No, I do like 725 Pro That said, I only realised, well, I say only realised, a couple of years ago, that you could order that S2 with custom woodwork on it. I think right? custom woodwork is so you could order... An adjustable with a beaver tail, you could order an adjustable with a little forend, you could order a non-adjustable with a beaver tail, and you could sort of spec it. Okay. You could make a baby pro sport and actually by doing that and putting the heavy trap stock and the heavy trap forend on an S2, it made it quite bearable. <coughs> Whereas before I would probably agree with you that it wasn't for me. And I would agree that a silver pigeon isn't for me in the way that it shoots, because I just 
ever since they dropped doing fixed chokes in their yeah. low-grade guns, I think that was a bad handling. Although they're not bad, they used to be something that you could pick up and it felt like a bit of a lightning bolt in your hand. You can get it where you want. And now, I wouldn't say it's a struggle, and this is a difficulty, isn't it, that actually, like you say, it's hard to remember what it was like at the beginning mm-hmm. versus where you are now. Yeah. But one has to, to not be an arrogant twat sometimes, yes. as we all know. Yes, yes. But, and it's hard that actually at the beginning, all of those features that I now hate, which are prevalent perhaps in a Silver Pigeon Sporter 30-inch multi-choke at the box, which just doesn't feel or shoot nicely. I took one to the Brett Worlds, end up throwing it in the bin after stand five and taking a DT-11 off of Geordie, uh, one of the guys who worked for GMK. <laughs> and guess what? Suddenly... And it wasn't the gun fit because both were too short and all this kind of thing. It was the fact that that gun responded in a way that a more mature shooter would appreciate rather than a less mature shooter. Yeah. And that actually probably isn't the fact that it's a crap gun, but probably is the fact that it is just designed for a new shooter. Mm. It's designed not to be responsive and intuitive. It's designed so that somebody goes, oh, so there's my break point and there's my kill point. If I put the gun there, bang, break. As opposed to you or I who'd go, all right, stand in the stand, there, bang, smash. Bang. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe smash. Um, yeah, but hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah that's... I do think the 686 is probably a better choice as a game gun, mind, um, with it being a bit lighter, a bit nimbler. Um, I don't know. Uh, as a field gun, and certainly like the 687 WWL, I'm certainly going to argue with that. You know, I think they're cracking. Yeah, but they make them in a fixed choke, which suddenly makes it a yeah. really gorgeous gun. That is a very comment, yeah. An absolutely gorgeous. Oh, so, uh, good mate of mine, Ant, who's been on the channel a few times, he's got a 30-inch fixed choke WWL, and it is sexual. Mm. It's a beautiful gun. A beautiful one. But he also, before that, had a 1995-1996-686 Sporter, where they used to have that big fat rib on and the yes, black barrel. Beautiful gun. Beautiful gun. And that used to shoot very nicely. Mm. And I can't really explain why. Because there's not, I know you you said that they're just off a production run now, but they were back then too. Aye, oh, true, true. Um, I just think, like, <coughs> if you look at the modern ones, like the you pick up a. I actually think an Onyx would be a better gun because it's got less adornment on it and it's just got that engine turning on the outside. Yeah. Um, I think the rolled um, engraving on the on the the, the bum basic stuff just. Oh, looks, but the 2019 onwards models are all laser engraved. Yeah. Yeah, but to me, it's like you might even, you might as well just not bother. It's why I quite like the way that the Browning are going with just like the brush steel with a small um, lasered logo, and it just looks quite classy, and I think it works as a... Yeah, I think maybe the age of lying about engraving is over. Yeah. Um, that's how we oh, had a look at that classic, the WWL classic, and that's all now done on a five-axis CNC yeah. laser engraver. Very cool. Yeah not a patch on what it was because it, they used to be hand finished and it kind yeah. of I don't say it's a patch on what it was it's very 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 well done mm-hmm. but I would rather it was just a little one pence pence worth of high quality hand engraving on yeah. a completely plain action and I think maybe again it's not it's not viable maybe we should start yeah. gun makers can I borrow a couple of million quid <laughs> oh hang on yeah I'll just uh... <laughs> No, I've, I've just checked. I've, I've left my wallet downstairs, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I but I know me, I've actually toured um, Studio uh, Bottega Giovanelli. Um, yep. I've actually got the footage. I've never cut it together and made it into a thing, which I really should do. Obviously. For, 
for the lack of B-roll, I, I, when I was there, I was so like starstruck. I was kind of getting all this um, footage of the guns and that. I never shot any B-roll, um, although I should be able to use some of the B-roll from Italy just to sort of uh, hang it together. Um, I think people wouldn't care about B-roll just for the opportunity to see inside. It could be a low-produced low film just to get to see the inside. And I've got standards. Um, the, uh, there was so much stuff there getting made. There was, there was Caesars, there was Parazzi, there was Holland and Holland. Um, there was a raft of stuff getting made at different price points. And he took me through all of the different processes that they do. Um, and like the, the, the masters that are working on guns that are a work of like a year, 18 months versus the stuff that spends, you know, 11 hours on a, on a CNC mill or whatever that comes out, gets a, uh, maybe two or three days worth of finishing work and some gold inlay and whatever out the door. Um, but it was ever so interesting because he took us through all the different um, techniques they use um, and looking at these, these these kind of artisans that are working on this stuff, that apprentice for five years, and for the first three or four years, they're not allowed to touch a gun. All they do is just practice the hammer work, right, until they're like, can not arse up a gun, right? Because, you, you know, you just practice on a bit of steel, then they move on to a gun. And they're only, they only work from um, eight in the morning through to, like, lunchtime, because that's as long as they can do it for. Like, physically, you're knackered, and you can't concentrate on, like, tiny, tiny things for that for any longer. So they work in the morning, and the afternoons, they just go up. Um, but that was so interesting. And looking at this, there was a, there was a pair of parazzis that had gotten done um, that I've actually seen since that had, um, um, like, not matching, but um, complementing scenes of gladiators fighting lions. You might have seen I have them. seen those posted on their Parazzi Facebook. They so, are epic. I saw them getting made, right? A water. Honestly, like, there was two guys sitting next to each other with their own little workstations and that, and they were just working away at these and that with, with, with a hammer and with the, the pick where they're not even using a hammer because it's that fine. Um, epic, like, and then there was a guy working on Holland and Holland, and that was beautiful and that, yeah, that was, it was really nice. But, um, it gives you an idea of the the, the breadth and depth of, of the difference between what goes into a gun that costs quarter of a million pounds, what goes into a gun that costs five grand or whatever, um, and, and how much extra effort that is. And you, you, I don't think people comprehend that if, if uh, that's uncharitable, but you know I, what I'm, I'm with you that anything in that bracket is worth the extra time and effort. However, I have always been a proponent that just because something spends an extra hour on a CNC laser engraver doesn't mean that it's worth three times as much. Um, Agreed. I had a little trouble with Rizzini for putting in the five worst guns of the year because of that exact reason, that they were charging twice as much for something that was done on the same bloody machine. It just yep. took, takes a few hours extra. Yep. And it just seems unfair unless you are getting, like say, Eight, not, I'm not looking for 18 months worth of work for five grand. I'm realistic that that's a hundred grand gun sort of territory. Exactly. But for the extra two grand, I'd like I'd like two days work. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, in the knowledge that those two days work are unique and are, and yeah. more importantly that they're not going to do so that more of them. It's more yeah. special. I don't know. I know what you mean. But when when this is all over. I was going to say, when this is all over, we were supposed to be going out to Italy, but that's probably going to be cancelled now. Oh, yeah, I think it'll be a while before that's safe, unfortunately. Um, I'd just like to say, by the way, Mario, uh, Mario Fabrizio, I hope you guys are doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, watching. All their factories are 
shut down over there. It's going to very yeah. much impact what we get over here. And I expect price-wise it's going to impact what we have because there's no reason they wouldn't put up prices. Yeah, yeah. Because um, people still so, are wanting guns, so hopefully there's going to be a little gun buying boom after this because people are trapped at home, bored out their skulls. But yeah. um, what will be interesting is if you want it, my suggestion would be that it would be best to buy it as soon as the shop is reopened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it could be a short-lived thing otherwise. I, I think prices will, will um, definitely get whatever whatever on-the-shelf stock is available and get them bought if you want one now. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough time. Uh, it is a tough time for all those gun makers out there. And, and across across the world, I don't think anyone with a factory is a bit bollocks, but obviously we're looking at our insular little shotgun section. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, it's a it's a flea on a nut bomb of the world economy and you know, and such a niche market. Um, but it's a market that's important to us. So. Yeah, indeed. Mate, thank you very, very much. I've enjoyed all the top tips more than anything. Louis' top tips were very handy. And actually extremely sage i think anybody watching should actually pay attention to those and mate thank you very much and hopefully after all this has gone away we'll hook up up north or in the Netherlands to you you would probably call it um and go out and mash some clays absolutely love it take care mate take care man